Hind, thank you so okay. much for talking to me. It is, I must say, it is an incredible honor to be talking to journalists who are in Gaza, reporting from Gaza, and giving the stories to so many of us in the world who are looking at journalists in Gaza with awe. And you all have taught us who who we all consider ourselves senior journalists, but you have taught us so much about journalism. You. I must ask you. I have seen your tweets that say this could be my last. This could be my last tweet. I think I've lost your audio again. Can you hear yes, me? I, I can, can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. When you say this could be my last tweet, what goes on in your mind? What goes on? What What is your thought process? I think every time I write, this may be my last. And it wasn't a tweet. The first time I wrote this may be the last was after the Israeli forces uh, targeted Al Mamadani Al Ahli Hospital, and it was a very deadly night. And it was the first time I see all of these bodies shattered on the ground into pieces, like a little baby's hands, little baby's legs blood everywhere the belongings of people chat like scat like with blood it was it was very sad it was very sad to see all of this and at that time i felt that this time like oh my god this may be the last i i i the percentage of uploading another video is very low i i i really felt like i survived death and i saw death a lot and like numerous times we were in a car a very close explosion happens um we're somewhere close to an uh, a missiles airstrike so i felt not being alive and i survived every time and this is why i feel and say it may be the last because i don't know if i'm gonna make it or not or if i'm gonna live next day or if i'm going to wake up because you never know if you're gonna wake up or not because a lot of people died when they were sleeping and like a whole house was like, like you will live and we pray for you we all really pray for you i know i know i know it's easier said because we just saw hamza and um and the world is talking about Whale and and Mutaz and you and Plestia and all these journalists and some days we tweet about you guys not knowing if tomorrow you guys will be alive or not and it feels a privilege to be alive. Um, tell us, you are there. You are the eyes and ears for the world. What is happening in Gaza right now? What is it that the world should know? What's happening in Gaza is a nightmare. Like it's literally a nightmare. Every single day, we say, "Are is, is this a nightmare? Are they going to wake up us and wake up us and and us?" Okay, we were joking. This is not happening. What's happening is something we never imagined is going to happen. Do you imagine losing everything? Everyone's lo losing everything, like being homeless, displaced more than one time, starving. I swear, I swear, I felt numerous times. I my I had stomach pain from hunger. Do you imagine? I had headache from hunger, not being able, not be, having food, dehydrated. I'm always dehydrated for more than 40 days now. As much water as I'm taking, I'm still ha being hydrated. 
losing my friends, reporting my friends killing, reporting my family's killing, reporting my house being bombed, reporting a whole neighborhood flattened to the ground. Whole, a whole families have been killed and have been, and have been um, announced that like what we have been covering and what we have been living and what we have been experiencing has been undescribable and unimaginable. And I, every single day, I, I say that what's happening right now is, is a nightmare and it's, it's a disaster. And every time we say it's, this is not the war, what's, what's, really, what's going to happen is the aftermath. When we go back and not find our houses, not Where find anything we right love. Not find I, hear, I, hear, I hear a child. Where are you living right now? Um, I, I don't know if I can mention this, but I will mention it. I think everyone knows where I'm Mu'tazil Aziz's house. Uh, and we're a lot of displaced people. And Mu'taz is a very generous person. He opened his house for us. And yeah, so uh, this is a baby. He's a new baby born. He was born a month before the war. And yeah, he spent th th three months of his, of his beginning life under this war. Would you give it a chance? It's, it's right now Gaza is the deadliest place, not just for anybody, any citizen, but more so for journalists, right? And so many of us and so many journalists and so many people are speaking loud and clear for journalists in Gaza to be heard, but they're not. The Western world still has blinkers on, still is not listening to the voices of journalists in Gaza. Is it frustrating for you, Hind, personally? Because you see journalists after journalists being murdered, slaughtered with impunity. Uh, so it, it didn't start with Shireen. It won't end with Hamza, right? It, this impunity has been going on. What do you think about this? Is it? I think the world is hearing us. I think the world is listening to us. But I think that no one has the power to stand up to end this. Like, are people knowing what's happening in Gaza? Of course they're knowing. They're following us. They're following our reports. They're following daily news and breaking news. And everyone knows what's happening. And everyone's watching. That's why every time we see, we say everyone is watching us being killed. Because all the world is watching. But who has the power to end this? No one. We have a lot of solidarity, a global solidarity, and this is the first time we see this huge solidarity with Palestinians, and especially Palestinian journalists. We have been heard, despite Meta's suppression to our voices, um, we are still receiving a lot of solidarity, love, and strength. But at the end of the day, these are no normal people, just like us. The decision makers and the people who have the power to decide and to press on um, the people who make decisions are not the people who don't are not seeing us and are not watching us or are neglecting and ignoring us. So uh, I would like to to send like a lot of love for everyone who has been following us, for everyone who has been hearing us and and watching us, just like you, like Rana, like even Martez, the fact that. That Martez has 17 million followers right now, or maybe more, is a success for every Palestinian, not only for, for him. He has been spreading the wor word to all the world, and this is something we're very proud of. The world is hearing us and seeing us, but no one can stop us.
Absolutely. And this is something very important. When we, when we feel very disappointed and depressed, of course, it's not from the people. We know people that have been watching us every single day since the 7th of October. But no one has the power to stop this. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I was interviewing other Palestinian journalists and journalists from Gaza. I don't think they have the follow. They didn't have that kind of following. But I think in absence of gatekeepers, people in newsrooms, social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter has helped democratize the, the spread of news, your voices, that of Motaz, that of Plestia, that are so many. Well, we would not have known these journalists thanks to social media. And yeah. I posted an interview with Plestia the other day, probably it's been three weeks. And I'm in India, I'm sitting in Mumbai. The number of people who, have, who know each one of you by their first names is phenomenal. You have become household names. Yeah. So you're rightly saying that Thankfully, there is a solidarity, but yes, there's no willingness from the international community to act uh, against impunity. Rana, I, I would never, like with me, Hind, I would never neglect someone's um, effort. These right. people are, are, are calling our names in every protest. They're seeing us, they're watching us, they love us, they send us strength. I seem I I try to see all of the the messages I receive, but like I can't follow up with all of these. But I can every time I'm sad, I'm like, okay, I have to continue because there are people searching for us. Every time there's a telecommunication blackout, people are posting, "Where's Hind? Where's Matas? Where's Palestia?" That's happening, and we see it, and we're very happy about it. But but at the end of the day. These people are living it with us and we are waiting for a miracle to stop this war. Really, I'm waiting for a miracle to stop this war. I had the opportunity to leave Gaza twice during the past 90 days with my husband. He left. My husband is a Palestinian Filipino and the embassy evacuated him and his family on the second month of the war. My name was on the list twice, once with him when he left, and another one after a couple of weeks, and I refused. And I had a lot of problems with my husband because I refused. I told him, I want to stay here. Go, you go, you're not doing journalism, you're doing your own thing. I'll, I'll stay here and I'll report. He was very mad at me at the beginning and he was like how i don't want to leave you here and it's very hard you know love and war it's it's very sad and it's very heartbreaking but at the end of the day i'm very happy that i have this person who understands what i am here for and why i'm here and he he had like he has fans now oh you're his husband and they're taking photos and selfies with him and everyone in the philippines is watching me and like his family and I had the opportunity to, to leave twice, but I didn't. And I have the opportunity to leave Gaza right now. If I call anyone like from the embassy, like if I told them I want to leave, I would leave right now, like tomorrow morning. But I refuse for a couple of reasons. First is I have one time, I, I won't tolerate being wanting to call someone in Gaza during this and not being able to, to reach them. Because we have been under blackout for, for, for months, okay? Second of all, second of all, second of all, I, I would never leave my, my, my people, live this on my own. I want to experience everything. Because when I report about starvation, 
I went through starvation. When I report about being injured or being homeless or being displaced or being losing a great person or the, the, the pain and the echoes of pain, I lived this, I went through this. I'm telling the story about my people, but I'm also part of the story. If I would travel, I would travel for sure after this ends and like go somewhere or like just somewhere without anyone, without any sound, without like. Now we go to a place where there are sunsets and I think everyone's following my sunset stories. It's the only place where I feel like, okay, it's away from explosions, from the zzz, the drones and everything. But I feel when I this ends, inshallah, hopefully soon, I want to go to a place where it's only beach, a beach and like tan or something like this. Like stay, like watch the sunrise and the sunset. And this is the only thing I want to do like for months. And I wouldn't be happy and, and comfortable if I leave right now during this. I feel that I will abandon my, my people, abandon my country, and I will feel that I will give like I I I would give up on 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 Gaza, and I won't ever give up on Gaza because I was born and raised here, and I lived the past couple of years away from Gaza, and my husband and I decided and took the decision to go back to Gaza a month before the war started. I came here to settle in Gaza a month before the war started and I was looking for a flat to rent days before the war started and all the flats I saw were bombed and everything I had, my furniture, my belongings were bombed. But despite all of this and despite all the damage and the destruction and everything, I still want to settle here. I don't want to leave. Even after the war, everyone's leaving. Everyone's doing these campaigns to leave. But I don't want to leave. I want to stay here. I really, I'm telling everyone, this war made me attached to Gaza more than before. I have been always attached to it. And all my friends know that I'm very attached to Gaza. They were like, oh, you're the girl that loves Gaza so much and want to stay here and live here. And I'm like, yes, I am. And now it's way more. It's like multiplied by thousands. The The love of this city is great. And and it taught me a lot and it taught me how to be resilient how to be brave how to be courageous it taught me love it taught me sadness it taught me everything and i would never leave this place i love it so much the journalists have to be resilient here the journalists have to be resilient to think i was saying this about well aldado when he lost his son he lost his family and i saw his video yesterday he was so calm and everybody said look at him he's so resilient and I personally, and I could be wrong, I feel like no journalist needs to be brutalized in the way that they, and we do not need to normalize. But I, I mean, your resilience is heartbreaking for so many of us because you don't need to be courageous. You don't need to be brave to be doing the kind of reporting that you're doing as a journalist. And you are incredible. It's not something we do. It's something that, it's a gift, like, Resilience is not something we, we, we practice. It's something that Gaza gifted us. Being resilient is from God and it's from Gaza. Because every time you walk in the streets, you see pain, but you see love. 
You see sadness, but you see happiness. You see hope, you see faith. When you talk to people and you see them, like how they adapt and they, they, they like adapting to this genocide was crazy from Gazans. I'm from this place, but how they adapted? Oh my God, like no water. They put uh, uh, pots when it was raining to collect water. No gas or no fuel. They put uh, cooking oil in the cars. Um, no, 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 no stoves or no um, cooking gas. They started to light up firewood. Every time, like I, I will tell you a, a thing about my friends' daughters. They love cornflakes, which is like the morning cornflakes. Yes. So there was no cornflakes. She didn't know what to do, and her children were crying. They wanted the cornflakes. What she did, she got the sage bread, which is the very thin bread that they do. She put them and she like um, made them very crunchy. And then she put milk and she was like, hey girls, this is your new cornflakes for the morning. It's a new brand. Try it. I found it. And their daughter, her daughters were like, wow, mom, this is so delicious and everything. <clears throat> and this was not a cornflakes, but how mothers, fathers, everyone tried, tried to, tried to, tried to do something was, was, was amazing and, and was very learning. Like for me, I never used the washing machine in my, I never used like washing on my hands in my life. I don't know how to do it. And I suddenly started washing my socks, my my clothes, my, my everything, and 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 it was nice to learn something new, and it was nice to try this. We learned a lot. Every single day, we learned a lot, and we're learning more. And the resilience, like Hamza, I cried a lot about Hamza, but what? How I I I see him? <clears throat> I don't believe. I don't believe that he's not here for me. Like, that's how I I I I do with death. Like, okay, first time I'm you're you're killed. I'm shocked. I cried, and then next day, no, he's not he's not dead, killed. He's here. I see him. I hear him. I I hear the echoes of his smile in my brain. Because this is the only thing that will keep us going and keep us moving. You know, it's it's very sad. Everything we're going through is very sad, but resilience and everything we're going through, it's a gift from God. And it's not something that is given for everyone because I had, I, I, I'm, I, I had the courage and the bravery. Other female journalists did not. Other male journalists did not. A lot of people gave up on reporting in the past couple of weeks. And I think I'm still, I still have some, I always say it, I have, I have something in me that makes me keeps going, but I have no idea what this is. I really don't know. And I'm shocked from myself. My family's shocked. I'm like, Hind, are you okay? Are you, are you holding up? And I'm like, yes, I am. Is this, <laughs> you have spent so much time in Gaza, what you have witnessed post-October 7th. What is this the worst that Gaza has ever seen? Yes. Yes. I think the fact that we left our homes in displacement made everything worse. Do you know what your home is like right now? 
it's literally flattened on the ground. I And I can't go. I can't go because it's the north. And I feel so sad because I really want to take, I want to walk on the rubble of my house. I want to feel this. I want to feel, my, I want to go see it. Even if it's like <coughs> flattened to the ground. I want to see it. I want to, I want to see, I want to collect anything left. I, I don't know. I, I, I got out of my house without anything. I went with a cup, like with the, my clothes because I was going to work and coming back. So, yeah, I wish I can take anything, 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 any memory, anything. And I have everything there, everything, like all of my shipments, all my furniture, everything. What is and it's not only my... What if I have to ask you from the time that you have been reporting, what is that? If, what has been the most haunting and devastating image for you over the last two months of reporting and three months now, actually? It was a father bringing his baby girl without her brain, holding her without her brain. Yeah, it, it's, this was the hardest. I never, it was the hardest. Like he he was holding up like her like this, and I saw her face, and then he made this, and like her brain was all out, and it was open. And I don't believe I saw all of this and reported all of this. I still till now don't believe that I went through all of this. And and journalists are always asked to be objective, right? When they when they see these situation, they are said, "Don't cry, don't do this, don't show emotions." Can journalists be objective in situations like this? When you see murdered <laughs> children all over, when you see orphans and, and this devastating visuals. No, I, I think I cried. I cried two times on air. Once when a girl was on uh, taking out of the hospital. Uh, no, transferred from an ambulance to the hospital with her teddy bear. Oh my God, I collapsed at that. I, I started crying. I couldn't because it was very <coughs> emotional. And Hamza, those those were like two times where I cried. And and I think when you cry, when you're on like reporting, it's the hardest. What was your last meeting? Because you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm screwing this. This is no, no, hold up your tears. You can't cry. But like, how can I hold up all of my feelings? And I'm, I'm part of this. I live here. These are my people. How not cry? I can't not cry. My last question to you, Hindus. Everybody has been watching this videos. Everybody in the world is watching you. I saw this uh, Instagram post where you said that you're lacking in equipments. And I hope, how can the world help you? I know you have admirers and people who love you and sending you all solidarity. <coughs> Anything that anybody can do for you or Motaz and other journalists, what can we do for you? We're feeling helpless. How can you make us feel better about ourselves? Well, we called for equipment and protection, but no one, everyone tried, but no one had the ability to bring in any gear for us. Like now, I, I don't have a helmet, despite the fact that it's very dangerous. And the vest I am using is a vest for another female journalist, where I borrowed it from her, and it's it's not it's not like something that would help me from if like if anything happened to me I would it's it's not protective it's like it only says the press the press sign 
it doesn't have the shields so, so no journalism so, organization has been able to help you with these equipments no journalism organization yet is it because no. they're not allowed to i think i don't know i i don't know but i'm sure if someone wants to help they could have helped right like now aid is coming in trucks are coming in but like maybe i don't know maybe they're expensive maybe i don't know but we were wishing like someone would give us like stuff someone would help us protect ourselves yeah but unfortunately no and it's not only me it's like we're talking about hundreds of other journalists who do not have any protective gear i hope those hearing us including journalism organizations list <coughs> will uh will look into this because everybody is talking about solidarity and we must walk the talk and not just not just post messages but also walk the talk uh in helping journalists but Ilva. i i want to ask you one more question because everybody is also talking about hamza and the way he was murdered what was your last meeting with hamza like i okay so my last meeting with hamza i went to rafah because he's working in rafah I searched for him but I didn't find him and I'm very mad that I did not find him because I I searched for him through the tents where is Hamza where is Hamza they told me he's in this tent and I start and I started looking for him but I did not see him I talked to him on the same day he was murdered 2 hours ago he was like when are you coming to Rafah evacuate from Dar el Balah everyone's here and i was like okay is there a place for me to sleep do you have a place for me to sleep and he was like no you either sleep in a tent or in a car you you have to choose and i'm like ah oh, okay i'll think about it and like we have been away i was in dar el balah he was in rafah but we have been always connected like we would like reply to each other stories talk to each other i would always like give him all the gossip i have like all the time and he was a very big supporter for me he used to watch all watch all my lives he told me i watch all of your reporting you're doing great and like i'm like really you're watching them and he was like yes yeah. so he's like a guard he's like an angel i swear this person was an angel he was a very beautiful person inside out and mustafa too both of them actually mustafa um filmed my 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 wedding and he did the wedding footage for my wedding and i know him and he used to he didn't only cover war he also covered love weddings and beautiful moments this person was a very beautiful person too but i wasn't close to him as much as i was close to hamza so yeah i hamza has been murdered i'm sure and assassinated and this was targeted and all the palestinian journalists are are freaking out because it's very obvious that if you were in a car they would target you nothing would stop them and we're trying to be as careful as much as possible but they see us they hear us they know where we are um there's not like i said it the only thing that will end our reporting is them killing us and we're going to continue to report and continue the journey of hamza mustafa rushdi everyone's journey every palestinian journalist's journey until they kill us I hope they I hope I hope you stay very long inshallah I hope you enjoy the beach very very soon and I hope humanity prevails for not just you but every journalist <coughs> in this 
Raza. Stay safe, Hind. Um, you thank know, you, Ganesh. And thank you so much for talking to me. And I, inshallah, we'll see you soon. So, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much.